0: You know, I absolutely believe God can heal and does heal uh, and fix things in a moment. And sometimes it's a journey.
1: Well, welcome back to our See Here, Love Summer of Strength series. And the goodness continues because I have... Henry and Alex Seeley, uh, with me for a great conversation. They are the pastors of the Belonging Co. Church in Nashville, Tennessee. They are worship leaders and writers and authors and just incredible people overall. You probably know some of their music. If you are a churchgoer and you like to sing worship songs, you'll know a lot of their songs. But today, uh, I talk with them about loving yourself, loving your neighbor and loving God. And that really comes out of the verse uh, in Mark uh, 12, 31, where in the Bible, in the New Testament, you know, Jesus says the greatest commandment of all is to love God with all your heart and soul and mind. But he also adds the second greatest commandment is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So I decided to ask Henry and Alex to kind of Reconstruct and, and talk through what it means to love yourself, love your neighbor and love God. A lot of the good things, a lot of deep things, a lot of honest things, a lot of aha moments. Uh, so I think you're going to really love this conversation with Henry and Alex Seeley. Here it is. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with IJM Canada and David Ash, author of Simple Wealth. Now I'll be sharing more about these inspiring partners later on in the show. But if you want to check out their life-transforming work that they're doing, even while you're listening to this podcast, I won't be offended. I promise. Go to ijm.ca and simplewealthbooks.com/slash/seeherelove. love right. Well, I have Alex and Henry seeley here with me. Welcome. Welcome to Canada, the two of you. Thank you. So good to be with you. So good to have you. And I'm really excited. You guys are the perfect people to kind of talk through three areas, I think, really identify where we need to be strengthened in. So the first is loving yourself, which people are like, that sounds so easy, but it's not so easy. Loving your neighbor and loving God. So are you ready? Because <laughs> it's a lot and I can't wait yes. to hear what you have to say. Okay. Yeah. So first of all- Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, so first of all, loving yourself. When I say that to you guys, what does that mean? Maybe I'll start with Henry. Like, What does that mean, like really loving yourself versus in a, not in the narcissistic way when people think when I say that that's what it means, but what does that really mean to you?
0: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people struggle with that. Most of us do. And for me, I know, you know, I've been through seasons where I've not really known how to love myself. uh, And I think so so often we're looking for things around us to validate us or we're looking for opportunities or we're looking for you know outlets or we're looking for you know the gifts on our life to validate us but i believe honestly as you know not just as christians but really for every one of us because here on planet earth every one of us are created in the image of god and it is a a journey that most people go on their whole lives trying to figure out what's my reason to be here you know what is my purpose? But if we if we don't first know that we're actually children of God, created by God, you know, we know that through our relationship with Jesus, he gives us access to know the Father. And it's through that that I think that we can really find out who we are. You know, I, I, I'm 46, been married for 23 years. I've got two beautiful kids, but it was years into our marriage and years into ministry before I really... Uh, mm. God and to not need my, you know, my ministry platform or my gifting or the things about my life to validate who I am or make me feel good okay. about myself. And uh, I think it's it is a journey that a lot of people or all of us go on uh, most of our lives. And I know for me, it wasn't until I really got to, to I guess, know God in that deep, deep way uh, that I could settle in that and realize, you know what? No gifting, no opportunity, no uh, ministry opportunity. Uh, is, is going to satisfy uh, that longing on the inside mm. to really be known and known as a child of God.
1: Henry, that's so good. Yeah. What you just did is you reframed from, you know, it's all about me and my identity comes from me or the adoration of other people, but you, you kind yes. of said it well where it's like the identity comes from being a child of God, right? That that yeah. changes everything. When you know yeah, who you are, you yes. know, as we say, it yes. changes identity and relationship, which is really great, what you just said, yeah. right? Because I think yeah. a lot of people, the struggle with loving yourself, it's all about me, it's about what other people think of yeah. me, and you kind of yeah. smash that out of there.
0: Well, I, I didn't create myself. Yeah, I was exactly. created by yes. a God who loves me, yeah. and he knows yeah. you know, who he created me to be. And when I know him like that, then I can know me yeah. in the way that I'm meant to be known and how I was yeah. created to, to best yeah. function and operate and flourish.
1: It's great. I love that. That's really good. That's really, really good. I think, again, with the identity part is, is key. And and for Alex, you know, I think for for you, you know, I, I'd love to hear about your thought of loving yourself, but I know, and in See, here, Love, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, our own body, body image, self-esteem, confidence. We've talked a lot about shame and control and rejection because myself and every woman that I encounter has had some degree of that. It, it is part of our story. And I know part of your story yeah. is is a struggle and finding freedom in your eating disorder. And so I think I'd love to hear that part for you and then Henry, the support of that. I'm always big on that, the person going through it, but also the person who was supporting and watching I'm, and I'm always really, yeah. you know, uh, very mindful of those two stories. It's not just one, it's like actually a, yeah. a, a two story to a one story. So. Uh, Alex I'd love to hear yeah. about that because I think that kind of ties in with the loving of yourself and and that journey yeah yeah
2: well I think you know Henry obviously explained it very very well and I think it's the essence mm-hmm. of why we then have the symptoms we do like my eating disorder was a symptom of why and how I loved myself and how much I didn't love myself because of the circumstances externally that caused me to have shame, self-loathing, rejection. I think the essence of why I had an eating disorder was not because I wanted to be a size zero and because I compared myself to other women's bodies and feeling like I didn't measure up. So much of an eating disorder is so much more complex than just a... Uh, physical external superficial reason of I need to be skinny Um, I mean we have eating disorders at either end of the spectrum you can be very overweight and you can be grossly underweight but this that's symptomatic to how you feel and you are just manifesting Mm -hmm. your pain with punishing yourself through starvation or punishing yourself by you know Mm -hmm. Uh, gratification instant gratification addiction it's addiction in any any sort of term Mm -hmm. um i didn't love myself because i suffered with a huge deal of rejection as a child so as a very little girl i didn't feel wanted or loved by uh, my parents even though they of course loved me they of course wanted me but the narrative that i was told is that i was the mistake and that I was the uh, the person that wasn't meant to be here. Mm. Uh, oops, we got pregnant, and we have to tolerate you. That's exactly not how my mum really felt about it. It's what was translated to me. And the enemy works in very, very, very cunning ways, where he will use a, a distorted truth and make it your reality. So I took upon myself the sense of I am not meant to be here. I am being tolerated, not celebrated. I am rejected.
1: Mm.
2: So then, you know, couple that with the physical abuse that I endured, the verbal abuse that I endured as a child, it just reaffirmed the shame and the rejection that I felt as a child. So the only way that I could control anything in my life was by controlling what I ate because everything else was out of my control that I developed an eating disorder to control Mm -hmm. so that I would be in control of something. Um, My eating disorder then actually afforded me validation. This is the the sick part of society that celebrates being thin. Mm -hmm. Um, Magazines, media, everyone's looking for this perfect body. So the thinner I got, the more affirmation I got for how beautiful I was. And because I was so starved in affirmation and acceptance and belonging that then just perpetuated my eating disorder to keep as thin as I could so that I could keep getting complimented which then became this vicious cycle of addiction and even though I loved God and God loved me there was a disconnect that my identity was in him because I'd suffered a rejection Mm -hmm. from my surroundings my family I then valued myself the way I saw Others viewed me and so it was just a vicious cycle of self, I don't know, damage yeah. on every level and I had
1: this uh, for 20 years. So Henry, yeah, you're listening to this, obviously you've heard this, you've lived it. What was happening with you when you were seeing your wife, I mean, and, and congratulations on 23 years, is it your 23rd anniversary year Thank this you. year? yeah
0: it was it was okay yeah so april
1: yeah so congratulations and happy anniversary um, you. so you're you're seeing this and w- what are you yeah. thinking like what what is how, what are you thinking as, as a as a man as a husband partner and and then i think the, the question of like when you can't do anything how do you what do you do and i say this as a man because i'm married yeah to Chris and there's, you know, we have lots of conversations about when men feel like out of control and they don't know what to do, what do they say and how do they, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, as, as a guy, I think guys, are we just want to fix everything. Mm-hmm. We want to come in and just fix it straight away. We want to know how we can deal with this. But the, the reality was, uh, it, it was probably a few years before I fully understood the depths of... Uh, you know the situation and how bad things really were because when you know the whole time that we had known each other up until uh this point which really came to light probably five or six years into our marriage uh and the whole time that I'd known Alex it's not like she had drastically lost weight or anything like that she really was basically the same size from when I would met her and so it was more that I was picking up on uh you know the, the the times where she was you know a choosing not to eat or choosing to eat a punnet of strawberries throughout the day rather than actually have a whole meal or just some other little things along the way. And also being sensitive to the Holy Spirit of, of, you know, not just overlooking these things and the Holy Spirit saying, hey, just dig in here. You know, And by dig in, I don't mean go and tell her, hey, you're doing this wrong and this is wrong and blah, blah, blah. It's actually have the conversations and ask the questions and see. And so, you know, we kind of went on that journey. And really, you know, as a guy, as I said, you know, we, we want to fix everything, especially when we know there's a problem. We just want to step in and be like, all right, here's, here's how to fix it. And that was one of the greatest challenges for me is that I knew that I couldn't fix this. This was something that really only God could fix. He knows her better than I know her. He's the only he created her, so he's the only one that knows really where that wound is and where that brokenness is. That's led to this, yeah. uh, and so just getting into that place of of prayer and really, uh, you know, really asking God to break through in her life and also to to give me the wisdom and uh, the patience to walk that journey with Alex. And it really was a couple of years uh, of us walking that journey together and really watching God heal. Uh, you know, really deconstruct the layers of pain and heal uh those layers one by one yeah. along the way. You know, I absolutely believe God can heal and does heal uh and fix things yeah. in a moment and sometimes it's a journey. Yeah. And uh you know we've seen God do things miraculously in our lives, instantaneous healing. And we've also seen him take us on the journey. And this was definitely one of those moments where God was taking Alex on the journey and, and us together. And to be honest, uh you know for us it was one of the things that really brought us closer uh, along the way of realizing that we now get to do this together. We get to, to help each other yeah. as we're on this journey of, yeah. of whatever healing God has for us and whatever we need from God. Yeah.
1: Henry, that is and here- so good in that I have, have I don't think I'm, I'm not outing them, but I have two girlfriends struggling currently with uh, an eating disorder and their husbands. We're all friends to hear this as actually encouraging me, um, what you're saying to encourage them because they are fix it guys. Like identify the issue, Melinda. I know what the problem is. And if she just did step one, two, and three, she'll be fine, she'll be better enough. She just, you know, and it's been years. And and so I think what I'm hearing you say, which has really actually struck me is, it is, can be the long journey like yeah. it it really can be it, it might not be, I think we 're part of like let 's get this fixed right away, but yeah. you said some really good things there that i it, yeah. that i didn 't
0: can, can I just say with that though yeah. i don 't believe it necessi- it needs to be unnecessarily long
1: yes uh, and I, I think agree, times, I was going to say that yes, yes, yeah,
0: we can default to that of well that 's just my lot in life, you know that 's because of my yeah. brokenness, my broken state, this mm-hmm. is my you know my broken journey with Jesus. Yes we all have an element of brokenness, but I think this is where the power of the Holy Spirit you know I think sometimes the the church can get uh, turned off from this you know the idea that the Holy Spirit is with us because maybe you know people have experienced uh, weirdness and craziness that's uh, attached yeah. to the Holy Spirit over the years but it's actually been the Holy Spirit that has brought these things to light in our lives yeah. and also yeah. the Holy Spirit that's done what You know, human counsel can't do, and there's nothing wrong with you know getting counsel, wise counsel from people uh, along the way. But the Holy Spirit is the ultimate counselor, he Jesus left him as the counselor for us Mm -hmm. because he has answers for us that nobody has answers for. And so, because of that, he would bring things to light and show us, All right, well, it's this, it's this issue, it's not, Hey, here's the three steps, go and do this, this, and this, it's actually. God, I surrender my life. I mm. surrender this. I surrender my hurt. Mm. I surrender my past. I surrender my pain. I got to move on from this place of unforgiveness, yeah. allowing the spirit of God to enable you to forgive yeah. so that you can come into a place of wholeness.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, Maybe. it was that was the peace. It's honestly, it's it's not a three-step fix. Mm. Right. It's not just eat more or like, you know, Henry would tell me all the time how beautiful mm. I was i wasn't receiving it because my mm-hmm. posture was broken and fractured it had nothing to do with what he thought of me it was how ha- it was everything to do with how i loved myself mm-hmm. and how yeah. i didn't actually love mm-hmm. myself because i didn't know how to receive the love of god and the the core of my wound was unforgiveness mm-hmm. because i had been abused as a child, I couldn't let go of this thing. My disorder became my best friend and it became the Lord of my life. And so Jesus was the Lord in every area. Mm. But because I was so addicted to the verbal affirmation I was receiving, because it was what I was getting from doing what I was doing to my body, I had to let go of that peace. And it wasn't until I made Jesus my full Lord, fully repented of that, forgave the people that had hurt me over the years, that I was then able to see myself as a full daughter of the King, fully loved, fully accepted by him, that then the layers built up in Christ Mm -hmm. began to, I looked at myself and realized I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am beautiful because of who he says I am. And I'm beautiful regardless of what I look like on the outside. Actually, that has nothing to do with how I love myself. Everything mm-hmm. is how I receive the love from my father. And because of the unforgiveness that I had held for many, many years, when mm-hmm. I broke that curse, I was able to see clearly and receive the love of Jesus. And honestly, this might yeah, be a little good. freaky to some people, but I actually got delivered by a mm-hmm. spirit that was oppressing me for years. So it is so spiritual mm-hmm. and emotional. And if you don't actually allow Holy Spirit to speak to you and then respond to those things, you will be bound for the rest of your life. And you can cope through life, but it's not right. living life yeah. abundantly.
1: Yeah. And what you're saying is we're looking at, you know, out of out of this verse in Mark about, you know, loving God with your whole heart, soul and mind and loving yourself as, as you love your neighbor. Yeah. You know, the loving yourself I found... You know, even for my own journey, talking to women for 25 years, I've been speaking everywhere and meeting with people. You know, unforgiveness and shame and rejection are main, major things that yeah. keep us from really loving ourselves and and yeah. and receiving what you said as the love of God. Yeah. You know, before we move on to the next, you know, loving your neighbor, I want to just talk about that because those are those are themes that keep coming up over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Uh, with the people that I meet, shame unforgiveness, control, rejection. We could do like, honestly, like a 10 part series on this, but I just want to hear your thoughts because I want to see freedom in my friends with my family, with the people that I come in contact with. And I think this would be, you know, love to just hear your thoughts on that, to love ourselves and receive the love of God. We, we got to deal with that stuff.
2: Yeah, well, you know, ultimately salvation is not just something we get saved so that we go to heaven. Yes. Salvation is what Jesus took upon himself that freed us from every bondage. The original sin was we stood in rebellion against the you know, the the one instruction that he said don't do this. Humanity said, well, Maybe God's holding out on us, so we're going to take partake of this apple and yep. we're going to take, and then sin entered. What immediately happened was the enemy came and brought shame. Mm. So there was a nakedness. Oh, now I have to cover myself. And there was a self-help of taking those fig leaves and make, taking something that God made to cover ourselves, but that wasn't the fix. So this shame comes in. We hide from God because we think he's going to get angry at us. Yet the very thing that we're afraid of, God comes in that garden and says, I'm going to actually cover you. And he sacrifices an animal. It's a foreshadow of what he needed to do with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so he sacrifices. He doesn't shun us. Yes, the consequence of sin is that we had to leave the garden and now do things on our terms. But there was always a redemption of Jesus Mm -hmm. would come and bear our shame and take our sin so that we could live free. Now, when you get saved, you're not just getting saved from some, you know, oh, now I don't go to hell. You're taking on acceptance as a daughter or a son of the king. Yes. And now you are reestablished as sons and daughters right back like the garden, how we should mm-hmm. have been. And because of that, there was no shame. There was no separation. There was no fear. There was walking close proximity with the Father. And so as we get saved again, we have to appropriate that when he died on the cross, he took our shame, he bore our shame, and he canceled it on the cross. So when you still live in shame and rejection, you're basically saying, Jesus, what you did for me on the cross wasn't enough because what's happened to me on this side of my life is far bigger than what you did on the cross. And I had mm-hmm. to get to a place where I was treating Jesus as my saviour, but not my Lord. And when you hold on to bondages, you're basically saying, well, you saved me so that I could have a place in heaven. But while I'm living here on earth, I'm going to be bound up. And Galatians 5.1 says, it is for freedom that Christ came to set us free. So why do we keep binding ourselves up yeah. in the bonds of slavery When he did it once and for all. So it's actually a lie that we're believing that the issues that we have, maybe the abuse you've suffered, maybe the rejection, maybe the issues of your life, that you're basically saying, well, what you did on the cross, that doesn't cover that part of my life. Mm -hmm. And so we do actually have to get humbly before the Lord and realize that everything he did on the cross was for a reason so that we could be made free. And we've got to ask the Holy Spirit in all of our lives, what's the area that I've made an idol that I'm holding on to that's greater than the name of Jesus in my life
1: good Alex that's good you know what I wish that that message was being shared with our young people because and I say this as a Gen Xer a lot of times we just made the the salvation to the salvation we're going to go to hell right that yeah. was it but imagine if we were like no actually yes but this you, like just imagine if we were able to message that. I, I think people would be like, "I get it. I love that. I want that. I want to follow Jesus because for that reason, versus out of fear that we come to Jesus because then we're going to hell." And I yeah. just say that because that's another conversation I've had with many people, and especially my age group that have been very wounded in, in some of our conversations and reasons why we came to Jesus in the first place. And I think that that's liberating, that's encouraging, that's hopeful. That's all good yeah. things, right? That's really yeah. good. Great. It was awesome. So I love that loving yourself. And again, I think I think that's an important thing. I think it, it's the balance because you know, like I said earlier, it's like, well, I don't want to be narcissistic and I don't want to be, you know loving myself in, in that space, but I think it's very important that we do understanding like what Henry you said, child of God and identity. And then, Alex, what you said, what I just love beautifully is just saying, understanding, you know, say from these things, is he Lord? And if we believe that he is, then we're not going to be bound by shame and rejection and control. Uh, beautiful. I love it. It's so encouraging. All right, let's go to – I feel like I'm in a little bit of a – It's almost. I feel like we're in like a a show, like Family Feud or something. Like, let's go to our next one for the answers for five hundred, please. Like, literally, um, loving your neighbor, my favorite one. So, just to give you context, the past season we were big on that. We did our Indigenous voices, which is one of the biggest ones in Canada with our Indigenous and residential school, uh, a big dark time in Canada's history. And obviously, as Asian, I'm Filipino. We had to talk about our Asian voice and talk about the rise of anti of, of Asian racism because of the COVID nineteen pandemic yeah. and what yeah. people assumed and connected that with. So we did a big show with Asian voices in Canada. It was beautiful, and then yeah. of course we did shows about with our uh, black sisters and brothers in Canada as we were you know confronted with the injustice for that. So my heart and my and see here love is so much about loving our neighbor and and justice so i want to get to that part but this is like my my love my heart beats hard for these things but in loving our neighbor i broke it into three parts because i think you guys can answer some of these things so so wisely and you talked a lot about um your marriage which i think is beautiful and we know the stats about marriage and i would love in loving your neighbor it's like loving your spouse on how you two are having a flourishing marriage a thriving marriage um and maybe just some tips I've got people who are in for me I'm in my second marriage it's a whole other story we talk a lot about that on the show about going through a very difficult divorce and my husband deciding just to leave he didn't want to be married anymore so we talk a lot about Second marriages, blended families. <laughs> we yeah. talk about people who are entering into marriage. So what would be some of your tips, Henry, Alex, on how you two are loving your neighbor, loving one another uh, within marriage context? Yeah. Excited how to much- hear.
0: <laughs> we could probably spend the next few hours talking I about I
1: know. See, this is what I'm saying. You know what I'm really doing is I'm kind of like, Making notes, and I'm going to call you guys again and say, yeah. "Bing, we're on another show together."
0: <laughs> well, I will say this: we we've been married 23 years. We certainly do not have everything figured out. You know, it's been yeah. a journey yeah. along the way, and yeah. I think it's. I mean, it's even interesting putting it in the you know loving your neighbor in in the sense yeah. of within your marriage. I think that's
1: important. Sometimes, do you good? Because I put that in. I was like, I hope yeah. this doesn't sound weird to you too. No, well, I really believe that it has that. to start at home. It has I believe to believe it yeah. starts
2: at home before you can love outside.
0: Yes, and I think yeah. sometimes. It's easier in the sense of, you know what, I'm going to go do an event of loving my neighbor down the street because I can come home. And then, you know, I've allotted a that amount of time. And, you know, I know that's gr- grossly you know, it's generalization, you know, when you come home, this is what you come home to, you know, and when you wake up uh, on your best days and your worst days, this is, you know, this is the, the, the relationship that matters the most aside from your relationship with Jesus. Mm. And, uh, you know, for both Alex and I having to work through, you know, we both come from very different, um, in, in some ways, different family dynamics, yeah. uh, growing up. And so, mm-hmm. you know, as does everybody that comes into a marriage, and so there's always complexities that, uh, you know, how do you figure out, well, you know, this is how my family did it and this is how my family did it. And there's yeah. good and bad on both sides of those things, figuring out, all right, what does this look like for our family? But I think that's one thing that we've been really intentional about ever since we got married was, OK, this is how my family did it. This is how your family did it. But what's it going to look like for this family unit? You know, not just drawing on uh, our past, but also god how do you want our marriage to look you know how do you want our family to look how should our home you know we i I think there's one thing that we've really focused on over the years and we've probably heard that from more people than i can remember that people just walk into our home and just say wow i just feel peace you know like feels peaceful in your home and that's you know that's not accidental i think it's actually very intentional It's not that we're trying to create some mood. It's actually the presence of God in our home because, you know, that's how we live. That's how we operate. And so just, you know, I think making decisions along the way uh, of not just allowing things to to happen just because that's how it does for everyone else or that's how it did for our parents. But, all right, what do I want my marriage to look like? I've had to ask that. I mean, I ask myself this honestly every couple of weeks. And have done for the last 23 years. What do I want my marriage to look like? And where where's the deficit in my own life between what it should look like and how I'm living right now? You know, what I think so many times, you know, spouses want to put it on each other of like, well, if they if they were just better in this way, or if they were just you know a little more like this, or if they you know if my spouse was more encouraging or less blah blah blah. You know, they're important things, but if we all focused on ourselves and what we brought to that relationship, then I think our marriages, you know, would flourish in a greater way. And one of the things that I've honestly, uh, I, I've probably grown so much in on the receiving end is one of the things that Alex has been so amazing at is she, she doesn't, she's not a nagger to, uh, you know, na- nagging doesn't get,
1: it no. doesn't, doesn't
0: doesn't bring the change it that you do want. Anything. I'm just gonna say this. And I think some honestly, sometimes we think, well, you know, it's usually the wife that's the nag, but I've met plenty of dudes that are nags as well. So <laughs> let's just put that out there. This is not yes. gender specific right now. Yeah, right. Um but what it did, Alex, she wouldn't encourage me at where I was. She would encourage me in who she knew God had called me to be. Mm. And it wasn't this weird thing of like, well, you're not this, you know, you're blah blah blah. It's just yeah. actually Encouraging each other, the Bible says, "Encourage each other, you know, in your faith wonderful. to good works." Yeah. And so, I was the recipient of that along the way, having this, you know, this uh, situation that I walked through in, in my teenage years, where I really felt like I was nothing, where I was worthless, you know, not good enough, not talented enough, all that sort of stuff, which is a whole other story. But it was, in in part, Alex's words of encouragement that brought me out of a lot of that even in our early years of marriage and good. so we've learned to do this and honestly she's much better at it than I am but I've, I've grown in this over the years of encouraging each other in what God has called us to so rather than her saying man I wish that you would just blah 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 it was more like <laughs> you know what I really love it when you do that you know I really appreciate when you do that mm-hmm. it's all those little things just those little tweaks that I think make a huge mm-hmm. difference in your marriage yeah. so yeah I mean I
2: think we it's made so a decision good. To honor each other, yeah. um, that this is the most important investment. Yes. Mm-hmm. So why would I bring down mm-hmm. the person that I've chosen to be in covenant with? Oh, yeah. good. And if our especially marriage,
0: in public, with our marriage. In people.
2: public and in private, but in public yes. especially because you yes. see a lot of husbands and wives put each other down with these little, mm-hmm. you know, off the cuff comments that are quite passive aggressive. Yes, mm-hmm. passive aggressive little yeah. passing yeah. comment that. ...puts down rather than builds up. Yeah. Uh, I would never... I would always cover rather than expose. I was always one to encourage and speak highly about... Um, ...because I. that's what I wanted our marriage to look like. So we'd always made a decision to be kind to one another... ...to never yell at one another... ...to never treat each other like some siblings treat each other. I think some relationships become like roommates and brothers and sisters... And so there's no awe and wonder in that mystery of love. Like, we're supposed to represent Mm. how the relationship between Jesus and his bride is, yet we treat each other like crap half the time, (laughs) and then we wonder why there are so many divorces, (laughs) you know, in -hmm. in even Christendom, because we're not understanding that this is covenant, not contract. Mm. And when you understand covenant you understand that you're there to serve rather than be mm-hmm. served. That's the whole point of covenant is I choose to love you regardless of how you are. And that can get a bit sticky and I'm not talking about staying in an abusive marriage and right, staying right. in, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. pleasing yeah. my heart because I know a lot of people react to that. But I actually see a lot of breakdown in marriages because, you know, we people don't have a vision for what they actually want to see in their marriage. And so... I think we've had, you know, I'm a fiery, passionate person. Um, I'm very vocal and opinionated. I've had to learn how to submit to a husband who is gentle and kind. And so I could either have said, well, this is the way I am, deal with it, or I could have allowed the Holy Spirit, which I did, to say, well, in this area, in this area, in mm-hmm. this area, you need to change. And then the same with him. He loves to work, and sometimes work would encroach in our personal life. So he had to make some changes. Mm-hmm. And so we've just always had to lean on the Holy Spirit speaking to us individually, taking responsibility for our stuff. Getting us to be the better versions of ourselves, so that we can better serve the other. Mm. And Good. this is what we've done for twenty-three years. Mm. And honestly, I would say, and you might I might not agree, but <laughs> honestly, I we're living our best years yeah. ever. Like awesome. We, we really are living our best.
0: A thousand percent. Years. Yeah.
2: There's just no. That's amazing. In our marriage. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I That's think people awesome. people would hear that and think can't how, possibly <laughs> it, it can 't possibly be true, but it actually is yeah. and and that 's not because Alex and I are exceptional people no. it 's that we 're surrendered people honestly <laughs> that's good. it's hmm. it's we are hmm. in in many ways just very very average people yeah. uh, and you know I think i i 'm quite an introverted person uh, you know i 'm creative and i had been in the past maybe a little more moody because i am you know a little more that way but it's not an excuse for me to stay that way that's right. i have to be surrendered and yielded yes. to the you know i can't be like well i'm a one or i'm a blah 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 on the enneagram, enneagram. and so that's my excuse yeah. for you know <laughs> oh i've heard that those, a lot <laughs> yeah and those things are helpful to yeah. you know to yeah. understand well okay that's maybe why i respond that way but there's not an excuse Sorry. it's actually we've I've been like, all right. If, if there's an area of deficit because I'm wired a certain way, then I'll, let, let me allow the Holy Spirit to to do the work in me, so that the fruits of the Spirit would be yeah. evident in my life, regardless of what Enneagram number I am. Enneagram is not attached to a particular fruit of the Spirit, you know what I mean? We should be all of those fruits, regardless of what our personality type is. And so I think just being mindful to say, all right, if I'm yielded in this, that means, you know, I'm yielded to what the Bible says. If the Bible says don't go to sleep, you know, in anger, then... Whether I feel like that or not, I have to say this is the way it is, and yeah. so for twenty three years we've never slept in a, you know separate beds unless one of us has been unwell or we've been mm-hmm. away, even when we've you know yeah. had a not great moment we've made a decision we're not going to permit this in our marriage, and that's you know yeah. just one of the things that I think's helped us along the way yeah. and again we're still learning we're still very much learning that's
1: good you know as I'm listening to so many things. Are being said that I think are important for people who are wanting to get married or going into marriage or in marriage and going I'm stuck, but it, it's 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 beautiful. There's you kept using words like kind and serve and surrendered and yielded. Like these are all these are all words that a lot of people shy away from or don't like, right? Because it sounds like I'm losing myself, I'm losing control. Yeah. You're going to take advantage of me. You know what I mean? But what I'm hearing you say in those spaces, actually, that's why the marriage works, because yeah. we're surrendering and we're showing kindness and we're serving yeah. and we're you know, su- submitting and we're yielding like words that culture and people have freaked out yeah. about. Totally. These are actually yeah. things that make it work. It, it's like yeah. this counterintuitive yeah. understanding in, in a marriage or what we've what culture has created as yes. strong strength. You need to be this. Yeah. That's that's good. Yep. That's good. Yes. I, you it's know, kingdom minded. It, it is. Yes, it's definitely exactly. Counterculture. That's it, right? It is counterculture and it is kingdom minded. It's that upside yeah. down. What you said, yeah. out, like the opposite. Yeah. Um, the opposite in in that, in the, in the opposite life, right? Yeah. Hi, this is Becca, the associate producer of See Here Love. Interrupting this great conversation to let you know that there are more shows and great content and blogs at seeherelove.com and our YouTube channel. Content to help you and give you tools as you care for your mental health, relationships, being single, being married, family issues your self-confidence.
0: We're here for you, to help you find joy and small wins in your every day as we lean
1: into relationship with Jesus and intentional community. So check us out at seehearlove.com. And if you want to help us keep making this kind of content, you can donate to us at seehearlove.com donate. And really, to keep Melinda and I working and with jobs, donate. And finally, if you found this episode inspiring, please take a moment to share it with someone who would enjoy it and to rate and review our podcast. It really helps. Now back to Melinda to tell you what our amazing partners are up to. Well, these past 18 months have been so hard on many aspects of our lives, whether it's mental health, relationships, addictions, or finances. We all have areas that need strengthening right now. I know because I've heard this from so many of you and it's impacted my family and even myself. And so that's why we chose this as the theme for our summer series, SOS, Summer of Strength. And that's also why I'm so excited that we're teaming up with David Ash and his Simple Wealth book to help strengthen a critical part of our lives that we don't always like to talk about or even know what to do with. And David has a remarkable story of going from bankruptcy at 28 to building a significant wealth that allows him to have the time and resources to invest in the things of Jesus, loving all people, and pursuing things his family feels called to. Well, David wrote Simple Wealth for his own adult kids to pass on everything he's learned about the importance of building wealth in a way that is simple and accessible. Now, you can read this book in a weekend, and it has the power to strengthen your financial future for good with very simple principles. Check out simplewealth.com slash seeyourlove to get your copy of Simple Wealth today.
0: I think with that, I think people fear that with that, I'm losing control. But actually, it's such a place of release. Mm-hmm. Because yes. now you're not having to fight for it. It's, mm-hmm. you've you've set a, a platform and a foundation that you can both right. flourish. This That's is right. not, you know, I mean, I, I Alex said this out of her own mouth, so she is a very strong person, but very submitted in that. Very. And so, and I love that she's not had to uh, tone down who she is as a no, person no. to be a weak wife or a weak person yeah, in right. our marriage. She is all sorts of fire in the best possible way but with that, because we are submitted to each other, uh, there is a sense of she's not in no, it for her not. own sake. I'm not in this for my own sake. We're in it to serve each other. So in that I'm like, alright, how do I best serve you? She's like, how do I best serve you? And, and we figure out that journey it together.
2: It, it's so sad to me when only one party wants to make it work Mm -hmm. and the other party doesn't. And honestly, if there are people out here and you're like, well, that's the marriage I want, but this isn't happening, I I really want to encourage you to pray. Pray for your spouse. Mm but Pray for you to have the key how to unlock the area. You know, the male responsibility as a husband is a greater responsibility than the female. So many women bark up against submission. But if you understand that It says, wives, submit to your husbands, right, as head of the home. But then it says, husbands, Lady. love your wives yes. like Christ loved the church and laid down his yes. life for her. Yes. If If you could understand, and see, it's his part. See, I've often heard men say, see, the Bible says submit, woman, but they're not yes. loving their yes. wife. Yes. Now, I've watched my husband love me where he has denied himself to serve me at times where I'm like... Oh, my goodness, if you're willing to do that for me, I can't help but submit to you because it's a two-way thing. And when both of you have made a decision to do your part, I'm telling you, you will have a marriage that the world looks at and wants. And that's what I think is the biggest compliment for us is when people come to our church. You know, We're pastors of a church, and they say the most beautiful thing about you is both of you are completely in your own lane. That you're not fighting for Mm -hmm. prime position. You're completely submitted, yet you're so released to be yourself. And then Henry is completely priest of the home, but he's not lording it over you. And I honestly think this is the perfect picture of how God intended marriage to be, is that we are co-laborers together in life, partners for life, and partners in ministry. And so that our children feel safe and secure and the world around us works. And I think the enemy has been on assault and assignment Mm -hmm. to destroy marriages because when you destroy the unit, again, you don't love your neighbor in your home. You can't love your neighbor as yourself because it destroys everything. And the enemy knows exactly what he's doing. So we need godly marriages to rise up so that we can actually be an influence in our cities and our nations.
1: So good. Thank you for that, you guys. It's so good. I was taking notes. It was really good. <laughs> and as I segue now, because as you talked about this, it was really interesting. In one of our previous episodes, um, I was talking to a, a psychotherapist, Christian counselor, and I was saying, how do we have great marriages? She goes, we have them when we have great singles. Yeah. <laughs> I go, what? Yeah. She goes, no, no, no. Yes. Great marriages will be when singles... Are are great and strong and and yeah. supported. So, I i I'll, I want to ask this as we loving our neighbor about how we can best support single people. A lot of our m- my friends, a lot of people that are part of like sort of the Sea Love community are singles, <laughs> single women and single men. Now, granted, yeah. not as many single men because we tried that. We we're like, tag a good single man, all on our social media. Just so you guys know, I think yeah. we got one. I'm not joking. Wow. I said tag great single women do, 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 do. like it literally well, was like it ex- yeah. it blew up like wow. there literally was a complete disproportion anyway all that to say <laughs> um how can we best support single single people and and yeah that's within our church but also in life because that's one of the hardest things i'm hearing is single people going we just don't feel best supported do we belong in church it's not geared to singles it's more geared to families and and married people how can we love our single people well? Would you say?
0: I mean, I think we have a pretty decent amount of single people you know, in our church, uh, as well yeah. as families. Uh, you know, I think the most important thing is helping people understand that a spouse, you know, un- unlike Jerry Maguire's, you know, movie, there,
1: <laughs> yes, a
0: spouse is not going to complete you. You know, yeah. it's right. Jesus is the only one that can complete you, yeah. and. From that place, you know, marriage is, Alex says this all the time, marriage is not two halves coming together to form one. It's two whole people coming together, Yes, you know, and that's the place that we've got to be. We've got to be whole, at least as as much as we can be, you know, whole and healed um, before we come together is at least going to give you the best foundation that you can for marriage. And there's always going to be growing and learning along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, you know, helping our single people, become the strongest, you know, faith filled believers that they can be yeah. dealing with the stuff, letting go of the past, you know, dealing with the yeah. unforgiveness and the brokenness and maybe the, the marriage uh, the, uh, the family, you know, divorce in their family or whatever it is that's, uh, you know, has been a burden to them. Helping get that stuff figured out, uh, and dealt with before you get married, I think is a huge deal.
2: Yeah, and I think um, I think singles need to be in church.
0: Yeah.
2: I, 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 I'm gonna say something that maybe is a little controversial, but I don't say believe it. I don't <laughs> actually believe we're supposed to cater for a single's ministry. Yeah. Like I hear this a lot, even yeah. in my own church, and I have Ugh. I have Sorry. not <laughs> bought into it because yeah. I don't I don't believe it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I believe get involved, get yeah. connected. Yeah. Be in mm. groups of friendships. Like we we are in a generation right now that we're so plastered to our phones, yeah. we don't even know how to interact with one yeah. another. Mm-hmm. And if I put on a ministry for you, it's not gonna help because you're not doing this outside of church anyway. So right. we, we've got to get get our singles involved, mm-hmm. part of the church, mm-hmm. serving one another, being part of teams, because that's how how we got together. You know, I didn't need a singles ministry. I didn't even need to be supported by the married Mm -hmm. people in my groups. I just got about doing life. I was happy about being alive. And so I think our singles, I think we're a little bit entitled to think that, oh, well, we're this exclusive group over here and we're not being supported. I do believe in discipleship. I do believe we need to be part of cell groups and connect groups and And honestly, Mm -hmm. find your people. I was really proactive in always having co-ed relationships. I didn't just hang out with four girls and watch movies every night and then wonder where my husband was going to walk in the door and sweep me off my feet. We went out with a Mm -hmm. bunch of guys and girls and we worked it out until we found each other, you know. And so I think we need to, like Henry said, we need to have healthy singles that are dealing with their stuff being the best versions of themselves, and then getting them involved in community so they yeah. can serve together. Yeah, I well, that. I think
0: with that too, you, you know, when you are doing stuff with people, I think, and this is no dig at people who are. Um, on dating apps, all that sort of stuff. But if you're spending more time swiping through a list of people that you, you know, Mm -hmm. they're saying something about themselves, but you have no idea who they really are, you know? But when you can get in community, you know, serving, getting in Mm -hmm. church, being around, you get to know people and you also get to, you find out your commonality, you know? One of the reasons why Alex and I ended up together, honestly, was because we were so, we were doing so much church stuff together that, you know, we realized we both love the same things. We both love, we're passionate about the same thing. We have a heart for the same thing. And that was one of the things that drew us together. Uh, You know, even though she was the hottest girl on the planet, (laughs) I wasn't necessarily the most good looking guy, (laughs) but because, I'm not being ridiculous, (laughs) ridiculous. because we had a commonality and that was really, you know, that brought us together and a common love for Jesus in all of that. And so, No, that's
1: really good. I don't know if it helps. <laughs> no, it is good. I mean, with COVID and the pandemic, it's been hard. Yes. No, to know. Absolutely. And Canada, you I guys, know. we have we yeah. have in Ontario, just so you know, Toronto area, we have had the strictest yeah. lockdowns so in the sorry. world. Yeah. Like, yeah. we are going nowhere. I mean, currently, yeah. right now, we finally have patios open and only 15% of our stores can be open. Like, I'm we are so still in sorry. it. And so yeah. it's been really hard up here. I think for a lot yeah. of people, just like, oh, my goodness. But yeah. I, have, I, I agree. I would say, yeah. and I say this and it's hard because a lot of my girlfriends had have been on dating apps and they've been struggling. But for me, I would say my entire life, I never had to work for relationship in that I was always actively doing things, whether I was in yeah. sports or I was in drama or if I was in I was doing missions or I was in church like I was very involved and so yes. I always met guys that way and so yeah. I, it was really strange for me when people are like you know are you struggling to date or whatever and it was all, I always downplayed it because it was actually no I actually had way more yeah. <laughs> choice than most people because they were like you're involved in things you're interesting yeah. you are yeah you're loving Jesus and you're changing the world but you're also playing soccer and you're cheerleading yeah. and you're also You know playing piano like it was just because i was very interested in what the world offered and things like i I always was so that was always what you're saying alex is exactly what and i don't like single ministry i hated that i I was actually like i never want to be a part of that because then that's kind of like pegging me into this i was like i was always wanting to be involved in multi-generational intergenerational groups right yeah i i 100 agree I think that's yeah. really wise and smart. So, yeah, I'm listening. sorry
2: for the pandemic. That is a hard I challenge. know.
1: It's horrible um, for people. But you know what?
2: I probably would have worked
1: away. If I was single,
2: I would have gotten Zooms and met people. You know what I mean? Like, come on, let's, let's do a group where we do a book club or do something yeah. where we're connecting. But... You know, I'm, for you know, America, we're completely open now. It, yeah, like COVID I, we never see that. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's sad because, I'm, you know, I'm Australian and I Australia is the same. It's really strict. I think the Commonwealth yeah. countries are stricter than a there republic. It is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of grateful for that, yeah. being in America. But, you know, I just think be the best version of you. And I think so, the reason yes. why you didn't have trouble having men be attracted to you is because you are loving life. And I think if if you're a woman on here, the most attractive attribute for you is enjoy your life. Yeah. If you look desperate and dateless, you're not attractive.
1: <laughs> yes. And
2: um, But if you Agreed. are active and completely full of life, men are going to be completely attracted to that. And so, yeah. you know, men know how to pursue... Um, and you know, speak well of men. I I have to encourage our girls in our church too because, you know, they'll be like, oh, there's no men here or the men here just don't know how to pursue and they don't know how. So keep Mm -hmm. speaking death over yourself. Go for it. Keep speaking death. Or you can choose to speak life and go Mm -hmm. tell the guys, man, you're, you're an amazing man of God. You're a legend. You know, I can just see purpose over your life. I'm telling you, you start spreading good news Mm -hmm. to these guys, they're going to ask you on dates. So. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah I think
2: speech like, yeah, yeah, yeah
0: one of the other challenges I think that we 've seen at least with this you know generation of singles right now, because of technology uh, and you know this whole whether it 's instagram whether it 's you know facebook whether it 's a dating app, the fact that there 's no end you know like there 's no end yeah. to your Instagram feed, it yeah. just keeps going yeah. for all eternity mm. if option, you want it to option. you know. So there is a sense of like, well, what if there's a better option? You know, like I'm going to keep swiping through Mm -hmm. these because, you know, that person looks good. They've got, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. but what if there's a better option? What if there's a better option? What if there's a better option? Can I just say this? There's always going to seem like there's a better option. But you will never, you can have the greatest marriage ever, even if that person is not necessarily the greatest option. If you are both committed, if you're both first and foremost committed to Jesus, yeah. secondly committed to each other, you can have the best marriage yeah. that anybody could ever dream of if you're committed to that. Yeah. And uh, I think through that, you end up falling more and more in love and attracted to that person. Yeah. I, I, I think... I've become a better. This is a funny thing to say, but I've become a better-looking person because I've been loved well by my wife. If that makes sense.
1: Oh, I love that. I attest
2: to that, and you know, I think it's there's a there's a scripture in that because there God said, "I need to make a helper comparable Mm -hmm. to Adam." Right,
0: and I wasn't comparable, so he had and to make me better to but, be comparable. But this
2: is the thing that I think women come in and make men better. Yeah. They really do, yeah. and and mm. I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And and honestly, I would say that I think I think we've both it, we get this comment often these yeah. days because you know yeah. I'm forty eight, he's forty six. People are like, why are you guys aging backwards? And I'm telling you, we're aging backwards because we're full of joy, we're full of peace, we're full of love, mm. and we're full of purpose. Yeah. And honestly, that is the key for, for marrying well. And, and you know what? We have purpose that we are yeah, fulfilling That's
1: it. God. I would say that too. I, I love that. And finally, I'm hearing people say the same thing. I always said to my girlfriends, like, if you are purposeful, if you are confident, if you know you're loved and you're loving others, it is so attractive. Like, I, you know, yeah. and I would say, I go into a situation, I can't even believe I'm telling you this. And I'm like, I wouldn't be, I would think a 10, I would say in beauty scale. But, man, confidence puts you at, like, 20. Yeah. So I could actually go into a place. This is horrible. I'm outing myself. And I would say to my girlfriends, I will get that guy, not on my looks, but confidence, my wittiness, my Come just on. profound wittiness and storytelling, my love, you know, all of that. And they'd go, oh, yeah, I'm out. And I would literally go up, and it would just happen. It was so easy. Like, <laughs> to a point where it was so easy that I'm like, this is scary. And so girls were wow. like, that's really scary. But I was like – because I think when you do, when you are loving yeah. life and others, and, and yeah. you're confident, yep, no, nothing it's can stop you. Thing. Because at That's the end of the right. day, if they didn't, if they weren't interested in you, I'd be like, oh well, you're lost, right. and I'm gonna go. That's exa- there, wasn't, there was there was nothing. Exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Imagine if everyone had that philosophy. That oh, and I Actually had that philosophy.
1: If you don't like me, you're lost. Exactly. Thank you, Alex. And people are like, well, I'm like, honestly, it's like, oh well, you miss yeah. out on this yeah. and the fun that i can bring that's to your right. life
2: that's right anyway okay
1: <laughs> it's my my okay i just i'm outing becca she said you've got this like weird waterfall thing i'm like yes. i don't know if it was a j-lo thing I inspired i'm just it. putting my hair up and it's cute. oh i love, I love it. it you guys are so fun okay we got a few more and i know that just this loving your neighbor obviously on loving our neighbor best you're in a in a big city you have a big church lots of different people how are you how are you working through this loving our neighbor well in, in, in such a time as what we're finding ourselves in? And just, you know, as you're leading, as you're leading people, how are you guys doing that? Um, I think that would just encourage others at, in leadership of how you're, you're, yeah. we're loving our neighbor that are, that are different than us.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's been, I think, for, for all of us. And I want to say, especially in the church, it's been a a very difficult season to navigate. Uh, You know, not just obviously all the COVID stuff, but all the racial stuff here in the States that we've experienced Mm -hmm. in the last year. uh, That's only been exacerbated by people's, uh, you know, distance and locked away from each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the isolation, the frustration with all of that. I think it's just, it's been like the perfect storm from that point of view. so, and you know, for Alex and I being Australians, we've lived here in the States for nine years, um, but it's been like, you know, this fast track of learning the history of our country and why racism especially is such a particularly hot topic here uh, in the States. Uh, and, you know, the the background and the history in regards to slavery and all these sorts of other things that we didn't necessarily experience in Australia, even though there was racism, there's never been slavery. And so that, you know, that adds a whole different dimension, dynamic um, to, I think, racial tension. Uh, and, you know, just the, the residual effects of that from generations. Then even here in the South, it's like a whole other level of it. And so, you know, we we, I think the first thing that we did was just You know, humble ourselves and say, We need to learn. We don't know. We don't know why some of these things are issues we yeah. want to know. We want to know what... We, we don't want to just know what they're teaching in school. We want to actually delve mm-hmm, deeper yeah. and find out from people that have experienced it and walked through it. And they're, you know, it was their grandparents that were experiencing some of these things that now are literally history in our nation. And yeah. so I think putting ourselves in a place where we said, listen, we, we don't know. Also, it's not on somebody else to teach us. It's actually on us to learn. Ooh, and so we've, we've been very mindful to just... You know, Mm -hmm. as honoring as we can uh, and respectfully as we can, just sit and have conversations with people and say, help us in our lack of knowledge in this, you know, let's have these conversations. And so I think leading the church through that, having some honest conversations, some tough conversations, some conversations that here in the South, some people didn't like. Uh, you know, people have left our church in this last year and that's fine. You know, people have different mm-hmm. opinions on some of these things. And yeah. I'm not here to say that our church is, the, you know, the greatest church that everyone needs to come to our church. We, I just know what we're called to do as a church mm-hmm. uh, is not sit on the sidelines and also not make, you know, racial uh reconciliation or tension or anything like that the primary uh focus of our church it's yeah. a part of the kingdom of god well, you know it's part our of the ministry
2: of reconciliation yeah.
0: so our focus is jesus yeah. uh and yeah. so under that banner what yeah. how do we live and so that's mm-hmm. that's definitely been yeah. i think for us just figuring out how we can love and honor the people around us more than just doing um you know stuff for the community how can we actually be there for the community and so we recently uh, had a beautiful afternoon uh, between services in our church where we just opened up a space uh, just a couple of months ago for some of our uh, black community, some of our uh, you know, Asian community, people of color from all over the place to come and just actually share how they felt uh, and how they yeah. felt in this season. And not just kind of wallow in that, yes, a place to be very vulnerable, but also to realize you know, we have a hope in Jesus uh, and that we can be part of that change as the church, mm. and it was just—it was actually Very one of the most profound. significant and profound times yes. that we've had in our church. People got to pray, got to share their heart, got to worship together, uh, and realize—you know—not all the pain's going away today, but there is hope. Yeah. And so, how do we live with that hope, and how do we be? How do we bring that hope to others?
1: Mm-hmm. That's really good. You know, I was just talking to an indigenous sister on a last uh, podcast, and I asked her you know, as your sister, how can I best support you? And she goes, Melinda, first change the question. It's how can I learn from you? And then you need to learn from us. And I was like, good. I need to actually learn new language. And I also need to be in a different posture because the support is like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? They're like, ah, actually before you do that, actually learn about our history, about our lives, about us, about our culture. And I said, so what's the, then how can I learn from you? She goes, listen to our music, listen. buy the books yeah. we write, buy culturally appropriate artwork. And in, and and in, in meant like, it literally, you know, like immerse yourself yeah. in the culture. And in that, you will then know how then you can best support oh. us. I'm like, okay, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Like it literally, and what you're saying, Henry's exactly it. It's like, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna be in a posture of learning about our history, about what's happening. And then we can kind of work then on how we can best be an ally to you and support you. It's good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think, you know, one of the things that I'm grateful for, which obviously has been challenging in this season with COVID, but I'm Mm -hmm. grateful that we have been able to travel a lot in our lives. And, uh, you know, when we lived in Australia, we were only a few mm-hmm. hours flight from, you know, Singapore, or Malaysia, Philippines, yeah, which is where I used to know.
1: live Singapore yes. and the Philippines for most of, oh, man. of my <laughs> life. Yeah,
0: honestly, I, I missed that part of the world in a yeah, really deep too. way because we would spend <laughs> yeah. quite a bit of time there. I love the food. I mean, we still just pine for actual authentic Asian food. And even when we lived in Melbourne, Kids. you know, just a huge like huge Asian population. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we just love that culture. We had yeah. a lot of Asian friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, travel, it, it's one thing to read, absolutely. I think that's incredible. Mm-hmm. But to travel and actually put yourself to in other cultures uh, yeah. is, is just really... And then when you go there, not to look at all the reasons why it's not like where you came from or, mm-hmm. man, I would just wish that they would do this in a way that I'm more familiar with. Actually stop, you know, when you when you go on travel places, stop looking for the, the food that's familiar to you. The stop Western. looking for the yes. Western, you know, oh, if I could just find a Starbucks uh, or a shopping mall. Yeah. You know what? Go and experience other culture yeah. and, and mm-hmm. don't have Starbucks for a couple of weeks and yep. see how people do coffee or, yeah. you know, something that's cultural from a food point of view in their world and yeah. experience that. And I tell you, I'm, I think we're better mm. people for it. Our kids are better people for it. Yeah. And uh, it's just, you know, I think it's, it's really humbling to realize there is so much diversity on the planet. And really, our representation of culture is such a minute part of that. And that's the glorious nature of this world that God has yeah. created.
2: Well, I remember awesome. Brene Brown saying this. Um, she said, it's really hard to hate up close. Yeah. And I yes. think loving your neighbor is getting close. Yeah. It's it's learning to yes. move into neighborhoods and move in close proximity to yeah. the people that you don't understand. And yeah. when you get in that space, your love causes you to listen, learn, and then you can lead. I don't think yeah. you can li- you know, people go into lead and and then work <laughs> out later. They forget about listen and learn because yeah. Yeah. their love is actually more about them. Um more than it is about the other person and so i think we've just learned to empathize and put ourselves in their shoes and just try and feel and understand Mm -hmm. uh what anyone could be feeling it's like you know people who are homeless or people who are less fortunate rather than going in to fix them i remember a friend of ours when he started his feeding program it all came where he had a strategy and a plan to get this person out of Poverty by making him work for a certain amount of dollars, and the homeless man was so offended because he said, "You're missing the point. I just want a friend. I don't actually want you to fix me. I want you to befriend me." And I think if we could just stop trying to fix people and see them as projects, and realize that honor is seeing the God in every human being, the world's going to be a really beautiful place to love, to loving one another
1: yeah i think that's so great and and as soon as you said singapore malaysia like that was my i I grew up in the philippines just context i was actually adopted out of an orphanage by canadian missionaries and then lived in the philippines and singapore but we you know weekends were like let's go to hong kong and go hang out in kowloon and have real dim sum you know what i'm saying yeah let's go to singapore and go to the stalls and have real nasi goreng like this is my life right (laughs) like and then i came to canada in in the late In the mid 80s. And I was like, so can I have real Chinese food? And they're like, go to the mall to Manchu. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) so my family did. I'm not kidding. We went, you know, because my parents were missionaries and my brother and sister who are their uh, birth kids. We're actually more Asian than actually Canadian. It's yeah. very difficult yeah. the, the cultural shift. Yeah. That's another show. Yeah. But we would go to Manchu Walk in the mall, and I remember eating it, and we all spit it out because it was the most yeah. disgusting thing. Not right. But yeah. So and it was weird too because you know I come into an all white neighborhood. I'm like we're all like my friends from the middle east and dubai and my friends yeah. that were from japan and from malaysia yeah. and, and australia we had a lot of friends actually in mm. singapore who were australian in my school and so yeah. yeah i think it changes when you actually get to know somebody it changes yep. everything because then yep. they're real people and not That's just that. a statistic or yes. somebody over there yeah. but thank you for oh nasi goreng and the stuff oh <laughs> dim sum. i know i know now i'm actually getting hungry i'm like okay satay um, satay and real peanut yeah. sauce like the yes. real, real you know what um, i mean sauce. and roti with and roti yes banana and nutella oh, and mm. all the things oh, yeah. and just that yum everything banana leaf <laughs>
0: curry, yes, curry. All all curry. And we would
1: have the real singapore noodle like yes. yeah. the stalls yeah. were where we went every sunday after yes. church yeah yeah oh on that, let's her. finish up because now I'm like, oh, maybe I need to go get some dim sum. Okay. Some har gao and shao pao and shao mai and things like that. Okay. <laughs> let's love God now in our in our meal because I think we did loving yourself, loving your neighbor. Thank you for that in the learning posture. Now loving God. And I think, I mean, for that we could be. But I think just let's end it off with, you know, how how you love God well. I think for people saying, I mean, it's almost like an easy question. Like, how do you love God? But really, truly loving God, um, and it's a struggle sometimes, especially for me. I, I've been in Christian ministry, Christian broadcast, Christian, 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 and so you assume by what you just do, it's just loving God. But I've had to, ha- I've had some checks along the way, going, mm, that might not be loving God; that could be loving the institution or the ministry, yeah. or, or you know what I mean. And it kind of freaks me out. Cause I'm like, whoa, am I actually doing it because I love God, or is it? Am I just doing it for the sake of? This is my job or I'm anyway, thoughts on just loving God corporately and community, what you guys are doing. And then we'll kind of like wrap this up, even though I'd love to chat with you guys for a long time, but loving God, what would you say? I mean, I
0: I think it's easy for all of us, especially if you're in, you know, ministry, but (laughs) the reality is we're all called to ministry. You know, every one of us, whether we're on staff at a church or a Christian organization or not, it's actually Mm -hmm. a side you know, aside from the fact that we're all called to be ministers. Uh, and I think, you know, when you, when you walk with God, you can get easily tied up in the things that you do for God, thinking that is loving God. And that is a part of it, it's a response, but it's got to first start, you know, from that place of relationship. And I think for every one of us, there's a temptation, you know, many times along this journey um, to, to lose sight of that and to lose that real first love for God. And uh, honestly, I'm grateful that we're in a church and also I'm in a marriage where, you know, there's accountability in the sense of it's not somebody looking over your shoulder. It's just when you're around people who are really in love with Jesus, when you're finding yourself in that place, you become aware of it so quickly of like, wow. Man, that person is loving Jesus in a deep way right now, mm-hmm. and I think that inspires and encourages people. And so, I'm, I'm, you know, really thankful to not only pastor a church like that, but actually be immersed and part of that. Uh, and I think too, you know, I think that's an important thing. I think a lot of pastors along the way they disconnect and they think, well, you know, I'm doing all this stuff for the people, uh, but actually, you're one of those people as well. Yeah. And uh, it's really, I mean, it's imperative from that point of view that you know, your relationship with God is just fresh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not just routine. Routine, I think, is really helpful, Uh, but it's not just, here's my 20 minutes, you know, of reading the Bible. Here's my 15 minutes that I've got for prayer in here. It's actually living that lifestyle of, you know, just constantly coming back to the Word, constantly praying, I was sharing this the other day, but, you know, I love to pray in the car because it's the one place where I'm not distracted by things around me or people around me. Yeah. Sometimes I have to get out on the country roads to not be distracted by the bad drivers but- here in Nashville. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, for me, yep. it's, you know, like I can't be looking at my phone. I can't be answering mm-hmm. emails. I can't yeah. be like the dog's barking or, you know, something's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm in a place where I'm locked yeah. away. And so I think just having those things in your life yeah. uh, is, is really important.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I believe it's all, like if you read John 15, you know, Jesus talks about remaining, abiding in him. And you can't actually do anything apart from him. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the, it's a no-brainer. I, I don't, I would not know how to love myself or love others if I first didn't love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, my relationship with Jesus is so, it's so fluid and it's so, that it's not disconnected. So many Christians live compartmentalized Christian lives. Like Sunday is when I love God for two hours and I'm immersed (laughs) in God for two hours. But then the other days of the week, I don't even talk about him. I don't even think about him. I don't even pick up the word. I may listen to a podcast. That's not loving Jesus. That's like visitation with somebody. And we visit with God, but we don't abide. We don't Mm -hmm. remain in God. And so I can't live apart from him. He is my life source. He's the breath in my lungs. He's the reason why I wake up in the morning. I'm in constant relationship. I'm more in love with him than I am with my husband or my children. My husband can attest, I'll, I'll be talking to the Lord constantly, just He'll be like, oh, there she goes again. It's like, I'm talking to myself, but I'm actually always (laughs) talking to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So my love for Jesus is an overflow. It's not something I do or something that I go, oh, I must spend 20 minutes with Jesus in the Word. That's not a relationship because I look at my relationship with God the same way I look at my relationship with my husband. And if I'm not spending as much time communing with God as I am with my husband then he's in the wrongful place. And so my life is, I'm a better wife and mother because of my love for Jesus. I'm a better friend. I'm a better pastor because I'm constantly in relationship. So learn to fall in love with Jesus. Don't make it about, well, there's God over here and Jesus over here and Holy Spirit over there. Fall in love with the one who saved you and you won't be able to get up a day without thanking him and every morning my first thing is either good morning holy spirit or good morning lord like what are we doing today it's just he is the first thought that i have when i wake up
1: henry and alex silly thank you so much that was so great i mean i've never really i've done lots of interviews hundreds thousands in so in 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 many years in the work i'm doing and but i've never really done it where i you know, ask two people like, let's go through loving yourself, loving your neighbor and loving God in less than like, you know, an hour and a half. And, and you guys just nailed it. It was, it was, it was great. There was so much learning there. And I think in the series about, you know, helping people be strengthened this summer and the series, uh, I really believe a lot what you've said in those loving yourself, loving your neighbor, loving God has really encouraged us. I wrote notes and is really going to strengthen us. Thanks for the great work you do in your community and church. Really appreciate it. Thank you for working so hard on your marriage. Because <laughs> that's, a, that's a beautiful example of, of love. And uh, thank you for just being in a posture of listening and learning well, to others. I think that's a great example. We need to have more people yeah. stop talking. Yes. And I say that to and myself. Listen. And start listening and yeah. learning and leaning yeah. in, right? And then yeah. amplifying yeah. and uh, leading people to Jesus. So thank you yeah. so much for You're great welcome. work you do. Really appreciate well. you being on. So thanks so much.
0: Thanks for having us. Thanks
1: for having us. It's great. I am so excited to announce our partnership with International Justice Mission Canada. And over the next 10 years, IJM Canada has a vision to rescue millions out of slavery, to protect half a billion from going into slavery, and to bring justice to all who are marginalized and oppressed. Wow. So stay tuned to hear more about our incredible partnership and go to IJM.ca so you can learn how to become a freedom partner today. Well, these past 18 months have been so hard on many aspects of our lives, whether it's mental health, relationships, addictions, or finances. We all have areas that need strengthening right now. I know because I've heard this from so many of you and it's impacted my family and even myself. And so that's why we chose this as the theme for our summer series, SOS, Summer of Strength. And that's also why I'm so excited that we're teaming up with David Ash and his Simple Wealth book to help strengthen a critical part of our lives that we don't always like to talk about or even know what to do with. And David has a remarkable story of going from bankruptcy at 28 to building a significant wealth that allows him to have the time and resources to invest in the things of Jesus, loving all people, and pursuing things his family feels called to. Well, David wrote Simple Wealth for his own adult kids to pass on everything he's learned about the importance of building wealth in a way that is simple and accessible. Now, you can read this book in a weekend, and it has the power to strengthen your financial future for good with very simple principles. Check out simplewealth.com slash seeyourlove to get your copy of Simple Wealth today. Hey, it's Becca, interrupting one more time. There's a lot to listen and learn from this conversation, but if I had to pick one thing I'm taking away, it's that what we do and perform for God in front of the whole world isn't what impresses Him. It's actually when we take all of that ministry and are kind and gentle and serve our own families and neighbors, honoring our parents and making peace among our siblings. That's the kind of hard and humbling work it takes to live out the love that Jesus shows us. Well, I can't wait to hear your takeaway, Melinda. Get us out of here. Thanks, Becca. And if you don't know who Becca is, Becca is our associate producer at See Here Love. She also is the one who interrupts me in all of our podcasts. But yes, Becca, my takeaway with Henry and Alex Seeley. Uh, so many things. I think, I think really what I took away was it really is sort of this countercultural life it there's so much about serving and surrendering and being kind so many things that that even in a kind of christian celebrity world we use the words like hustle and leadership and strong and dynamic and charismatic and yet they kind of flipped it and we're more like it's it's about humility and service and words like submission that was like eh, and being yielded um and so I think that was a bit of the takeaway. I think I loved that for pastors who are literally lead a vibrant, very well-known church across the world, their first step especially in loving our neighbor was to learn and listen. And I love that that what it takes is to to listen and learn, learn and listen before you act sometimes. It's it's to know the people build the friendship, learn history, and know. Uh, And then I just loved their love for one another. That was just a beautiful testament of just uh, how much they love each other and how they listen and how they pray for each other and just their love of God. So I hope that this episode strengthened you in loving yourself and how to love yourself well, how to love your neighbor well, and how to love God well. And so I am so appreciate Henry. And Alex, and as we end this episode, always know, be strong, be brave, and know that God is for you and with you always.